Welcome to Section 247's The Goal Line, standoff football all the time. Coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner. SportsTalkPhilly.com. Follow us on all social media at GL Stand Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube will be linked in the show notes. And we're going to get this thing started right from go. The podcast here is, it's Mike, me, I'm Michael Lipinski, joined by Brett. Mike, me, a giant, an Eagles fan, and Brett, a Giants fan. That's kind of the genesis of this thing, right? We have two opposing point of views. You have two people today that are angry over the result of a football game. And one of the teams won. That's where we are, and we're not making this this shit up. I want to get right right to it from the Eagles' perspective of this thing. It's time to blow the whole goddamn thing up. This is atrocious. This is a train wreck. These guys are not playing hard for this coaching staff. This coaching staff sucks. This coaching staff is mediocre. I, I'm tired of it. Carson Wentz, I, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe he needs to go somewhere else. I, I, I don't know. It's clear that the Super Bowl, and I'm fine with it, was a flash in the pan. That was a one-year thing when Doug Peterson talked about the new norm. No, the norm was the norm. We're an 8-8 eight and eight football team. 7-9, and 9-7. Backdoor way into a, into, a, uh, into a playoff appearance. I see Eagles fans talking about tanking this year. Why would you want the team to tank? They won't even select the right guy if they tank. This is, an, it is disgraceful. It's an abomination. Thank God there's no fans allowed in the stands anymore. <laughs> and he just mutes his mic and lets me go. That was really – that was a good rant, Mike. Um, so I'm not quite as pissed as you. But I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. Of it. This, is, no. you, this is horrible. And you're still, and we're going to get into this after we talk about the actual game. The Eagles are still going to win the division. So that's how crazy this is. Um, yes, I think now, though, my annoyance of the Giants winning, I think I'm, I think I'm venturing into being a hater because the rest of the Giants nation, I got to tell you, Mike, is really happy right now. Because, in all honesty, as we've talked about in the preview show, the Eagles have dominated the Giants of late. They have the Giants have not beaten the Eagles since 2016. Um, so uh, most of Giants Nation right now, frankly, if I could take their pulse, uh, they're very happy. They're like, oh, we're we're starting to grow. Look, it's great. Daniel Jones had a great game, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? If this ends up keeping Dave Gettleman's job, the putts of East Rutherford, we're screwed. So Maybe the Eagles did a favor by sucking this week because it it, it it took out the Giants for the next few years. I still don't believe that uh, the Giants are completely heading in the right direction under the leadership of the putts. So, uh, nevertheless, I, I will say it was a strange game because I never there was only one brief moment where I felt the Eagles actually had a chance in the game, and that's strange. Uh, I mean, getting out to the quick lead, fourteen to three, it was pretty remarkable. They, the Eagles didn't have a pulse. They no. didn't. Whether they uh, did, they get stuck like at the Molly Pitcher Service Plaza or something. Like, well, what happened? It, they they got they got on the bus, drove over uh, six seventy six, took two ninety five. I'm guessing the seven, uh, you know, you know, get up on seven A to the turnpike. I don't know. Maybe they got lost in Robbinsville or something. Their heart and their soul. Uh, it, it was just a disgraceful effort on the Eagles' part. I or my illegal you, turnaround. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I texted you during the game. This is nap worthy. Yeah, that's at one point, it yeah. Was. yeah, it it was. It was definitely nap worthy. It it was just a very strange game, and I agree with you. The Eagles looked lifeless. Um, the way the Giants were able to run the ball, uh, I will say, look, I was happy for Daniel Jones 
I, I know you're gonna do, do the video now or the the audio clip. Later, I told you I, I'll give you a free week pass. He scored. Oh, okay. Touchdown. I'm not gonna. I he didn't fall down. I was right. very happy for him. No, so I, I look. It's still in the sound clip. Yeah, it'll still be used from time to time. But yeah, he yeah. He and he didn't fall. Down. I, I was actually happy for him for redeeming himself somewhat. Um, but it was just remark. I mean, you know, there were two. The Eagles had what two sacks, like the first pass play, and then there was one. I think it was the end of the half. And aside from that, there was really no uh, pass rush. There was no pass rush from the defense was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple opportunities to intercept the football, you know, but the Eagles let it literally bounce off their helmets in their hands. But there was no pass rush. There was no creativity from the defense. It, we're not talking about the Giants being a, a juggernaut offense. Nope. So, and I, we talked about in the preview show, and I've been pretty high as an Eagles guy, as an Eagles fan, on the Giants' defense throughout the course of the season. I think they play tough football, and I can appreciate tough football. So I kind of anticipated the Eagles' offense maybe having some struggles, but defensively, the Giants are – the Giants' offense is just so bad, the Eagles really should have been able to tee off on Daniel Jones and force him into the errors that he's been having all year against every yeah. other team that's not the Redskins or whatever yeah. the whatever they're called this week. I, yeah. I mean, and, and they couldn't do it. But you know what? Why should I, as a fan, as an Eagles fan, why am I surprised? This is Jim Schwartz's uh, MO. I mean, it, it, enough. I've, I've had enough of it. This is just, um, it's tiring. It, it, it's, it, and there's excuses and you listen to the players. Uh, just shut the fuck up and play. I mean, God damn it. Like you make so many excuses about why you can't get things done. I don't know. Fire the coach. Fire the GM. I saw one idiot say fire the owner. That's stupid. We're going to bring back Norman Brayman. I, I, you know. How does one fire the owner? I don't know. Maybe they do like a Green Bay kind of thing where you take up like a GoFundMe and you buy them out with stock. I'm not sure. That's a lot of money you're going to have to raise. That's billions of dollars right there. Yeah. In the midst of a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, you'd have to hope for, literally, you would have to hope for a terrible scandal, which would then force the league to, I mean, so that one's not really that feasible. I, I, it's just, it, it was mind boggling to me to watch the Eagles defense be so ineffective against a Giants offense that had rookies playing on the line, a quarterback yeah. who has not been very good when pressured, turns the ball over a ton. This is Jim Schwartz, though. I, I mean, this is what it is. It, I, I think it is, and I've said this, I've said this a couple of times, defense needs a new identity. The defense needs a new identity. They need a coach to come in and change the way they're doing things. What that is right now, I, I don't know but they need a new identity. It was, uh, you know what, the, the way I, I kind of view the Eagles defense, they're like a one-trick pony, and the trick is, it's like an old trick. So, and if it doesn't work, they're just, you know, it does you know, it just goes downhill quickly. What's the trick? Well, I'm, I'm not saying, it's just they have, they're, they're very vanilla. They're not very creative with their blitz scheme. They, you know, they they run a lot of the same things all the time, so you could exploit it. So even guys like Daniel Jones will know what's coming. You know, to me, what was also concerning was even your best players didn't look good. Darius Slayton, on several occasions, uh, beat uh, Darius Slay, which yeah. is and Darius that wasn't Slay, good. Darius Slay, yeah, has been having a good year. Yeah, actually, a really good year. Yeah. And Bad games happen. So, yeah. and but at the same time, you you're, you're putting your cornerbacks out there on an island. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then to me, the other a a play that encapsulated what was going on defensively uh, with you guys when Wayne Goldman scored the the touchdown where he jumped up in the air, which I thought was actually an impressive job by him. Like Fletcher Cox, I know that I shit on him. I shit on Fletcher Cox, okay? Because honestly, Where are you talking about the goal line? You're talking yeah. about yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm sorry, Fletcher Cox is overrated. 
He got blown off the ball and turned around on a goal on the fourth. This is the fourth down touchdown. Yeah, lead, which yeah. he didn't even have to do. He Gallman did. Gallman was showing off. Okay, Giants oh, fans. He, he wasn't was showing off. off. He didn't have to jump. You're right. The defensive line was blown back five yards into the end zone. Yes, uh, because I mean, he was operating under the rightful assumption that the offensive line was going to get destroyed. Right. So he predetermined the jump. He wasn't if, you watch, if you watch that play, he literally jumps from like the three yard line. Yeah. And he almost kind of doesn't get in. It gets in, but it's like he goes up and nobody meets him. There is yeah. nobody there from the Eagles defense. And he kind of comes back down. That play, that play was, I have it written down as a very symbolic play in that game where the Eagles had a, a nice stop to play before. Yeah. On third down, and here you are, fourth and, and one, and you can keep the Giants out of the end zone. You can make get no points for the Giants. You make a stand, and you get blown off the football. Yeah, it wasn't even like there was a you know the meeting of the piles, and yeah. the ball kind of gets in. Oh no, oh no, yeah. they might as well have been in, you know on route three. Yeah, Brian, uh, you know, and even Brian Baldinger, who. I let, let I mean, is pro Eagles. I wouldn't call him pro Giants. You know, on his Twitter account, he goes over the different teams, and he was talking about how impressed he was with the Giants' offensive line blowing the Eagles' defensive line off. You know, off the ball. And this is not. We're not talking about Travis Frederick and Zach Martin. We're talking about a guy who's played center. This is his first year ever playing center and a rookie guard, and just destroying. Fletcher Cox. And when Fletcher Cox turns his back on the ball and on that, like that was a bad look. And I know Eagles fans, I've been riding Fletcher Cox. It's just because, you know, I think Mike and I, we take the line play seriously because we're linemen, right? And Fletcher Cox at one point in his career was definitely, he was either 1A or 1B or number two as a defensive tackle. He's not that anymore. He flashes it, but he's not that anymore. And I and I've said that he's up in age, so I can see what's happening. But for all the talk about it, yeah, no. Let's talk about the Giants' offense, though, and what they were able to do against the Eagles' defense. It was impressive. Was this? Yeah. What, what was it though? Was this? I've heard this a lot from Giants fans on the radio, uh, listening to some of the national stuff, reading some of the different things. You are correct. There are Giant fans that are very excited, and there are national guys out there saying, this team is finally starting to gel, and you're seeing what they are, yeah. which is maybe more of Sunday versus what they've been in the past. Is it a little bit of both? I, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, look, no offense, I think it was partly, you know, if they were playing the Steelers or if they were playing the Chiefs, one of the top teams that we'll reveal later in the podcast. I think this would be a little bit of a different story, but I will say, look, it starts up front and the offensive line is as of late is playing better. I don't know if Andrew Thomas, if the light bulb went on, I don't know if he actually, by the way, though, did have a costly pay. He cost the giants a touchdown. Uh, the second Daniel Jones touchdown was a holding call brought back because Andrew Thomas. But aside from that, he's having a better game. When Will Hernandez got COVID, they brought in their rookie guard, Shane Lemieux, from Oregon. And I got to tell you, I like this kid a lot. Um, I know he wears 66 in honor of Mario Lemieux, but to me, he reminds me more of another fifth-round guard we once had in David Deal. And I think this guy's going to be a starter for the Giants for a long time. Their offensive line is just playing very well right now. And... Wayne Gallman is showing life, and even Alfred Morris. And by the way, the improved running game also shows you another thing. You don't need to draft a running back with the second pick of the draft. And by the way, as and, and I know I say, I like it sounds like I'm shitting on Saquon, which I'm not because you can't come up with a better human being for your team. I mean, he's a great kid, great guy. But he also doesn't hit holes the way Wayne Gallman does. You know, he's a guy who has to do his shtick and then pops it for 80 yards. But he's just not going to run it up in there in the middle of the offensive line. So, um, 
it's just, you know, it starts up front. Daniel Jones, to his credit, had did not make a mistake for the second straight game. And he's now three and oh in his career whenever he doesn't have a turnover. He also had some nice balls. There was a that one drive when so the Eagles came out and scored in the second. Hold on, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has nice balls. Yes, nice balls. Yeah. He threw nice balls. Whatever. You talked about someone having a nice package a few weeks ago. I was just asking a question. Okay, whatever. So the Eagles came out, and we're going to talk about the Eagles offense and the Giants defense in a minute. The Eagles came out and scored really quickly in the second half. And the Giants responded with a touchdown, and that drive consisted of a long um, pass to Shepard, a long pass to Golden Tate, and I thought that that was it was a really impressive drive. And, and to his credit, um, you know Daniel Jones was put it in the right place. Was able to dissect coverages. Um, it was interesting because at least the Giants beat writers were talking about how the Eagles were trying to take away Evan Ingram. And I got to tell you, of all the people, I don't know if that's who I'd necessarily want to take away. I was really hoping that they would avoid taking him away and he'd have a good fantasy day. Not happening. But either way, he would, you know, he could take himself away by just dropping the ball. So. It's uh, but yeah. So the Giants' offense looked both well rounded, and 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 played well. So it should be interesting moving forward. I guess let's switch now to the other side of the ball: the Eagles' offense and the Giants' defense. Yeah. Well, so from the Eagles' perspective on this, you know they were rushing the ball, averaging with Miles Sanders. And Boston Scott, Miles Sanders was averaging like something like six and a half, almost seven yards a carry. Yeah. Boston Scott, touchdown. He was out of bounds. That's neither here nor there. Bad job by the uh, – I I can't say bad job by the covering official. Tough call. Tough call. I don't know what he was looking at. That's his call. Um, This was – this is Doug. This is not having an offensive coordinator. That's what this is. This yeah. is seventy-five freaking people trying to come up with a game plan and having a pass game coordinator and a run game coordinator and whether the offensive linemen are down in a three-point stance coordinator. You have the guy that weighs the cups before the game to make sure the linemen make weight coordinator. Uh, this is an epic problem. This is a problem. The Eagles are. They, I don't know what if it's like they they don't want to upset people. Did they not want to give Deuce Staley the coordinator job, and they, and and all of a sudden, well, we don't want to upset Deuce, so we're just going to make everybody a coordinator. Doug Peterson has to give up the play calling. Yeah, he did a horrible job. They abandoned the run. This is like they, it's not even the Andy Reid thing anymore. Andy Reid runs the football in Kansas City, so yeah. it, you know it, it's just madness. They roll. It took them three quarters to roll the pocket with Carson Wentz and they were productive and there was a stat. I forgot to write it down, but something like the giants are like 31 in the league when a quarterback rolls out of the pocket uh, to throw the football. Yeah. So, okay. You want to throw the ball a hundred times. I think it was something like 38 to 17. You, you, you want to throw the ball a hundred times, roll the pocket. Yeah. I, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Jason Kelsey was having problems with the snap. All yeah. game. I'm pretty sure he's hurt. He got hurt, dinged a few weeks ago, and kept playing. It's going to be one of those things that comes out that he's hurt at the end of the year. God bless him for playing hurt. Okay, so we're having an issue here with the snap. If I'm the head coach and you're my offensive coordinator, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say. Yeah, dude, what, what is going on here? Well, he's hurt. Under center. Under center. There's no adjustments. The Eagles just, it's like there's a game plan on paper, and it's we're just going to do it. We're going to do it. The calls are, are mind-boggling. Two-point conversions because of the chart. If I have to hear about a chart again, I'm going to lose my mind. Rich Kotite had a chart, and we know how that came, how that turned out. That's true. You, I mean... I will say, you know, and you've actually, I, I mean, I don't know if we'd call it being high on the Giants defense, but you've been complimentary of the Giants defense. I think and frankly, yeah, I actually was not that impressed, even though statistically it looked a lot better than it was. 
The so I agree with you. Had they just kept running with both Sanders and Scott, you guys would have put up forty. This should have the been, Giants I mean, didn't yeah. come close to stopping the run. No, not at all. The Eagles, the, the Giants stopped the run because the Eagles stopped running the football. Yeah, like every drive. Run. I'm sorry, go ahead. Like I, I understand this is professional football, but football at its heart is a very, very simple game. When you find something that's working, you keep doing it until the other team stops it. And yeah. the Eagles were gashing the Giants with the run, and it was like, yeah. Okay, yeah. We've seen enough. It's yeah, fun. every drive you'd have you'd pick up like one or two, one or two or three first downs, and then you you get you know first down you'd have a seven yard run, and then suddenly it was like the play calling got cute, or you went for a gimmicky kind of play. You brought in Jalen Hurts and they stopped. That didn't work this week, uh, and then all of a sudden because it was amazing, the Giants stopped every third down play. Right, they did. They stopped every every one of them. Yeah, the, the Jalen Hurts package has got to go away, and Doug well, Peterson. Well, you need to do more with it. Well, that's a whole separate issue that that we can probably talk about on another on, on a Football Friday show. Because yeah. I think the more you see Jalen Hurts, I there there's a psyche problem here, right, with Carson Wentz. Yeah, and on Friday we're going to kind of get to it. Who is Carson Wentz as we preview the game? But yeah, look. I, Defensively, from a from an offense from a passing standpoint, I thought the Giants played well. Per, yeah, those wide receivers. Not many guys were open. Open. Travis Fulgham wasn't open. Uh, they they were able to pressure the quarterback when he was Carson Wentz when he wasn't when he was in the pocket. Yeah. To me, though, this game came down to Doug Peterson's inability to not even adjust. There was nothing to adjust to. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. It. it so you talk about Carson Wentz and his psyche. And so to me, you know, we talked about the Fletcher Cox play. I don't know if you saw they, uh, one of the Giants beat writers who, you know, I guess they get access to the all 22 quicker than the NFL game pass uh, releases it. So it was actually Dan Duggan, the former Rutgers beat writer, who's now a Giants beat writer. Uh, releases and to me this was really I actually damn- like did he is he still do his film breakdown yeah yeah I liked him as a Rutgers guy I know a lot of people didn't but I actually yeah, most liked- people hated him yeah well look I like Politi too and actually yeah. Politi was texting me through a, the Rutgers service yeah and made it made a smart ass comment about his you know hey at least some Rutgers fans their football team they had a team they root for one on uh Sunday and I, I responded oh, back. I, I said, Politi, shut your mouth. It's been a bad weekend for me with running quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but so Dan Duggan in, in his film breakdown showed, do you remember the play where Leonard Williams got flagged for roughing the passer? Was it the low was it a low hit? I'm trying to I'm trying no, to well, it was just literally a late he literally so uh, Wentz gets rid of the ball, oh, and, and he then slams, yeah, yeah. he slams him down. Slams him down and yeah. it looks even worse in the all twenty-two. The Eagles' offensive line is as Leonard Williams is doing that. The Eagles' offensive line—that's how late it is. They're already walking forward because it was actually a completion. I think they turn back and look. They don't even help Carson Wentz up or go after Leonard Williams. At and to me, that typifies what's going on with the Eagles. Well, this, if you remember correctly, there was a lot of stories in the offseason, maybe the end of last year, about Carson Wentz and his leadership. Yeah. And I was one of the first ones to say, oh, that's bullshit. I don't know, man. Like, I really don't know. I want to root for Carson Wentz. I want him to succeed. There is something going on. There's yeah. something going on. On the head coach is making comments on sports radio WIP about Carson Wentz and, and doing things. There is something going on. That team doesn't love him. They they're, not, they're not I playing. Mean, they play God. Like I don't I don't even want to say it, but they played for Nick Foles. And I'm not advocating Nick Foles. We see what Nick Foles is and hope he's all right. We'll get to that a little bit later. But they're they don't play they don't play for Carson Wentz. They yeah. don't go out and play for him. 
which is the, the Patriots played for Tom Brady. All, any team that has that, that's really won a championship, you see a love for the quarterback, even if they're not good. You know, what's his name from the, the, the Ravens when they destroyed the Giants? Um, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, horrible, horrible quarterback. They yeah. loved him, though. Yeah. Uh, Eli, look at Eli. You, you talk about the people still defending Eli Manning. You yeah. know, so there is an issue with Carson Wentz, and we can get to that down the line. He must I, – I, again, I think we'll, we'll do a deeper dive on this probably both in the season then as well in the offseason. There must be – a different side to him that the public doesn't see. I have to believe that, you know, whether it's that he's an asshole or he's like super entitled and, and a, too much of a goody two shoes. I don't know. I, I don't, Again, we'll I don't, talk about it more, but yeah. Yeah. I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but, and I don't know this to be the case. So this is just me spitballing here. And yeah. It's just conjecture. So, you, you know, sometimes when he's very religious and I, I can appreciate that. I, I'm, a parent that sends kids to Catholic school, I see a value in that. But I always, and I, I've had these conversations with people where I, I say Catholicism and Christianity, well, although the same, sorry, just relax, follow me here. Because I know now in your mind, you're you're asking, you're thinking about vicars and all that stuff. You know, Catholicism and, and, and Christianity, while the same, certain types of Christianity are, are like elitists. And uh, hate every hate everybody. I'm not saying he hates people, but have uh, a different view on things. Like uh, my shit doesn't stink, kind of thing. Uh, I kind of wonder if that's part of it. He's from a different part of the world too. I mean, from the Dakotas, it, it, it might as well be you know, it might as well be uh, Russia. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, look, there, there's there's something, and right. well, we'll get to that even later. though. Yeah, and, and we know all Sean Jeffries, the guy who who leaked all this stuff. Yeah, I know. But, but, I didn't know. Huh? He played apparently. He was. But by the way, Carson Wentz missed a, missed him wide open early in the game. Uh, look, we're, so that's not all Sean's fault. It, no, and, and he stretched out for that thing, so it wasn't like he you know half assed it. And, and Carson Wentz even missed him when he was outstretched. That's how bad a throw it was. That was really the only time he was significantly open though so i mean that's all i have to say about the eagles offense uh they adjusted their game plan when they didn't need when they adjusted they abandoned the run yeah they didn't need to abandon the run it would have been a, it, you're probably right it probably this should have been a, a game where boston scott gets two touchdowns miles sanders gets two touchdowns yeah. already you're at 28 you know and you you, you win the game I would I probably yeah it was the run the running game was was very effective and I you know it's funny it, it was the outside running game I wouldn't even really put this on the offensive line it's a no. lot of zone re, it was just a lot of sweeps it was towards Off the outside game. yeah so to their credit the wide receivers were doing a nice shot block so let's get to it now the division before we move on to the NFL news yeah Eagles are still in first place. Yeah, we're still in a scenario where anybody in this division is either going to get a top five pick for the most part, right? Top five pick or a playoff berth. Yeah. So I, I took a look at it, and let's let's just assume for the sake of discussion that the two teams with the highest percentage chance to win the division are now the Eagles and the Giants. So the whatever the ESPN projection index is after the game, gave the Eagles a 60% chance to win the division and the Giants a 20% chance. So the Eagles right now are 3-5-1. and one. The Giants are 3-7. and seven. Um, the, the Giants have a bye this week. Essentially, I believe if the Eagles get to six wins, they win the division. I, I, that's disgraceful. I know, you know, look, you know, we're, the, we're already past that point. It's disgraceful. But... Um, it because the Giants really, frankly, I think only have two winnable games. The Giants' remaining games, okay: Washington, Dallas, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Seattle. Right. So Baltimore, I, I'm counting as definite losses. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I I screwed that up. Dallas, 
Seattle, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Arizona. That's the Giants' remaining six games. I've already counted three of those as definite losses, being Arizona, Baltimore, and Seattle, right? So that means I'm counting as potential wins. Cleveland, which you guys have this week, who, by the way, are 6-3. and three. So I'm not saying that's an easy game. The Giants' next game is um, not this week, but the week after. They play at Cincinnati. Historically, the Giants have never played well in Cincinnati. We'll talk about that in two weeks. And Dallas. So, the, the, again, if the Giants only have potentially three winnable games to get to 6-10, and 10, the Eagles only need to win three games to get to 6-9-1. and one. Now, the Eagles' remaining schedule is hard. Right. So they can presumably only win two games. Browns. That's a tough game for both the Giants and the Eagles. It's a tough game. It's I think it's winnable. It's winnable for the Eagles. Is it it at Cleveland? It's at Cleveland. That doesn't help. No, it doesn't help. But and especially if they have the rain like they had the other. Did you see that video? That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, So I mean, it's winnable, but it's tough. Yeah. Then Seattle comes into Philadelphia, loss. At Green Bay, loss. At the Saints, with whoever is playing quarterback. I think by that point, Breeze comes back. Well, so let's go back. Seattle's not playing well. It's a tough game. I'm not going to call it a, an immediate loss. There, I think you will pull out one of the – the Eagles always beat a top team. They can beat the Even Cardinals. when they shouldn't. It's the Cardinals. That's the one I'm looking at here right before Christmas – on 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 the schedule that the Eagles could win if we get that far. Okay. At the Cardinals, at the Cowboys on the 20 on the 27th of December. That's a win. Yeah, well Dallas is full on thinking about next year. Yeah. And in Washington, it's going to come down to that. I mean, it's, it's just insane. Well, so to me, I have the Dallas and the Washington ones as wins. But if look, one more injury or if this team just doesn't get it to get if this team doesn't get it together and they can only win two of those and the Giants somehow win three of those, the Giants will win the division at six and ten. So the all the Eagles need to do is win three of their next seven games and they will win oh, the division at yeah. six, nine, and one. Let's let's let, let's just that's all and I by know. the way, Doug Peterson's decision to punt against the Bengals. Um by the way, was a gig- was huge in terms of winning the division, even though we shat on him at the time. All right, let's move on. It, it's crazy. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to around the National Football League. Drew Brees. First off, let me tell you, I, the guy is tough. Three broken ribs on the left side, two on the right side, and a collapsed lung. He played a couple plays after – I think some of this occurred even at, before this hit. I think he had one or two broken. He supposedly was complaining about this even before the game. So I think oh, he had issues even going into the game. Yeah, that hit just exacerbated everything. So when you when I when this comes out yesterday, the news of what happened, I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, this is crazy because that. I mean, it's hard. It's you've had injuries to your sternum and everything. And it's tough and God bless him. Uh, He's okay. Yeah. Which is, which is key. It's going to be interesting now to see what happens in new Orleans. Uh, By all accounts, it's going to be, uh, I was going to say Teddy Bridgewater. It's going to be uh, the James Winston show with uh, a little bit more of Taysom Hill sprinkled in. Yeah. Um, Should be interesting. Let's see how much Jameis has learned from Drew Brees. Uh, you know, if he doesn't turn it over, the, the Saints should continue to win. But right. that's the look. There's also a part to Jameis's game where it'll probably open up the offense a little more because he's going to throw the deep ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely has the more stronger of the two arms. I'm yeah. interested in seeing it. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner, throws a ton of touchdowns, ton of yards. Also throws too much to the other team. So yeah. I'm interested in seeing what happens here. After an off season, off season air quotes, and this season being coached up by Drew Brees, Sean Payton, it's going yeah. to be interesting to see. Uh, Nick Foles does not make it through 
Monday Night Football and he is hurt. I have not yeah. seen a report on what it even is. Uh, I know he's being evaluated for a leg and hip injury, but the okay. fact that he got carted off is yeah, not, a problem. No, and I want to talk to you about the hit itself. The NFL yeah. flags, a feather falls from the sky and touches a quarterback. They're throwing a 15-yard foul on the bird that flew over the stadium. So he was ripped down and yeah. slammed down. I'm shocked there was not a flag there. Well, and that was the second one they missed. I don't know if you caught this earlier in the game. The, I, I don't remember which Viking defender it was. Clearly, nailed, like literally, nail falls in the head with a, like a right cross, and they didn't flag that one either. So I guess maybe Tom Brady radioed that crew and said, yeah. you know, well, uh, don't look out for falls. So. Chicago Bears fans have been advocating for a quarterback change. Here you go, guys. Good luck with that. Look, I know, you know, the Chicago Bears, unless there's someone in free agency or unless maybe they're in on a Dwayne Haskins trade, uh, they are going to draft a quarterback, something we talked about. Um, I believe I'm pretty sure I had one of the quarterbacks go to them in our half-season mock draft. I believe it was Mac Jones. They're drafting a quarterback. They have to. It's just time. Trubisky's yeah. not the answer, and I'm saying, and you know, Nick Foles is a great. So he's not the answer, he and now he's hurt. Answer. Right. Exactly. Let's move on to our favorite portion of the afternoon. Uni watching. Yeah. Oh yeah. Two we like, two we hate. So let's get to the two that we like. We want to hear another some more Macho Man yet. Oh, yeah. It was his birthday the other day. What I, I was it really? Yeah, this week. I should go back and watch some Macho Man, uh, Macho Man stuff. I want to preface this by saying both of us did not pick the Miami Dolphins uh, Los Angeles Chargers game, which was the perfect uniform matchup of the season, perhaps maybe of the last decade. Yeah. Other than when they, if they would have matched up when uh, the Dolphins, when, when the AFL, you yeah. know, when, when they were doing the AF, honoring the AFL, whenever that was, 10 years ago. I don't, Miami, Miami, hear me out. Dolphins ownership. What are you doing? Stick with the uniform. Well, Flores, if you heard Flores is gonna. There's, there's been a whole, I actually, there was a whole thing before the game that the Dolphins are considering going back to this full-time. You should. There's no reason to get away from it. And char and the Chargers, I was really interested in seeing what the yellow pants look like in in, in this uniform because it's not the throwback. It's their new one. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really sharp. I mean, the, the Chargers have just hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah. Even with their alternate Navy. I love it. I, love it. I don't like the alternate Navy one. Well, that's your it's, I don't dislike you're, it. It's just kind of like, eh. You have something against navy blue uniforms. That's why. No, it's not. Huh? You do. I'm going to start with my with my first choice. North okay. Carolina Wake Forest is my first one. North Carolina came with a throwback uh, powder blues with a, a little bit of a drop shadow. Really, really beautiful look. You hate when North Carolina wears navy blue too. You're just anti navy blue. I'm not completely anti navy blue. It, it, it's just certain schools. Um, so my, I, I'm guessing my number one is your number two, uh, which is Notre Dame at Boston College. Am I, am I, so I guess we, so first off, I've already talked about how I like the Notre Dame uniform. This also, it was the Notre Dame home uniform because Boston College wore special red bandana uniforms. Uh, for those that, Mike, do you know the guys, I, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head. You uh, talk, I'll, I'll find it. Okay. Uh, so, the reason that the red bandana emanated from a Boston College alum uh, is known as one of the heroes of 9-11. He was in the South Tower and was seen going, sweeping literally floor by floor uh, by the impact zone, looking for people to save. And instead of he himself going down uh, the stairwell to safety, he was literally going floor by floor looking for people and saved numerous lives. Wells Remy Crowther. Yes. May 17th, 1977 to September 11, 2001. 
Yeah. Was an American equities trader and volunteer firefighter known for saving as many as 18 lives during the September 11th attacks. Yeah. He was in the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Uh, he, all people knew about him was he was the man with yeah. the red bandana. Yeah. And that's, and he was a, a Boston College alum. I believe he played lacrosse uh, at Boston College. Uh, whatever it may be, he that that's how that that that's what he became known known by. Uh, he was yeah played lacrosse at Boston College. Uh, was a volunteer firefighter serving on Empire Hook and Ladder Company, and it's just an awesome story. Whenever they bust them out, yeah. And the Red Bandana movement does, isn't just the football team; it's the entire school. It's been the entire it's, Boston it's, College community. Yeah, it's a school thing, and as well as it should be. I mean, yeah, absolutely. The guy's, the guy's a hero. The guy's an American hero. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was my first, and and I, I guess your second. Um, so it not only did it have a great look, it's for a great cause. Um, the guy's a hero. You know. I will say the only thing I didn't like about it, if I had to nitpick it, I wish they were yeah. like old pants with the with the piping. The white, I agree. Looked, the white looked weird. That's all. But I, I, I love, agree. I, I love when they do that. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and they don't publicize it enough. At least I don't think they do as to why why they're doing it, which is fine. Maybe they they just want it to be its own thing. I feel like they should, and I feel like honestly, every year this should be a uh, a segment on College Game Day because it deserves to be. Agreed, agreed. And sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And and um, you know, I think honestly, um, what that guy did. Uh, we all should be reminded of that every year. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. So I got my second one. Yep. Yeah. So I I thought maybe, Mike, you you might want to guess this. This is one of my alma maters. I have no idea. Cherry Hill East and who? No. Lawrenceville and who? No. Not Wagner and not Rutgers. My other alma mater. Because I have a funny story attached to this, Go I don't ahead. know if you remember this story. So the my second favorite uni matchup of the week was Cal at UCLA, and by the way, got to give credit to both of these schools because both of them had their opponents drop out to COVID, and unlike the Big Ten who won't allow the other teams to play, these both these teams on two days' notice are like, you know what? I'll see you Sunday at the Rose Bowl. Let's play, and they played. UCLA won. Uh, wasn't happy about that because Chip Kelly wins, but uh, as a Giant fan, I don't even like the guy. But yeah, so uh, you know, credit to uh, both teams. But so real quickly, um, I don't know if Mike remembers this. I was actually a member of. I was a, I was accepted into Cal Law School for twenty minutes during my law school admissions process. I don't remember this, so go ahead. Okay, so. Cal is a top 10 law school, a really great law school. And what happened was when I applied, uh, I, I apply, I don't hear anything. I get an email, uh, which is invitation for admitted applicants. And it says, as an admitted applicant, you're hereby invited to attend a speech from one of the Supreme Court justices in Chicago. And I'm like, wait a second, admitted applicant. I guess that means I got in. I went crazy. I yell at my parents. My, my father's like, there's no way you got in. <laughs> and I call up the law school. I said, hey, um, I didn't hear anything back, but I just got this email that said, I'm an admitted applicant. Did I get in? I swear this is what the woman, she goes like this. Yeah, we actually sent that out to every applicant. We didn't mean to. So I said, oh, well, okay, well, I didn't get in yet, uh, but there's still a chance because I didn't get a rejection yet. Either She goes, oh, what's your name? And so I said, oh, my name is Brett Halpern. So she goes, yeah, we just sent your rejection uh, letter in the mail. So at least for 20 minutes, I was in Cal Law School. So it's one of my it's one of my alma maters. There you go. I don't remember <laughs> that. That's great. Imagine if during that 20-minute period, I contacted every other law school and withdrew my uh, application. That would have been pretty bad. Yeah, I was super psyched. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go to Berkeley, Pac-12 football, you know, change it up, nice stadium. No, didn't happen. You'd think I would, I'd be saltier, but I was I, gonna you know, say, yeah. 
<laughs> I really should actually put on my resume was member of the school for 20 minutes. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. We all need a little levity in our lives. Can you, you could reach out to a professor over there about a letter of uh, recommendation. Maybe no, the statute right. of limitations is passed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're going to talk about, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in another podcast. I made okay. a notation. Anyways, ugly matchups. Oh, that's right. We got to go to the ugly now. No, don't like that. I'm going to start off in the college ranks, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Now, this was actually one of the top uni rank, uni watch matchups. I thought it was just god awful. It was mono blue versus mono black and gray. It, it just wasn't a it wasn't a good look. Kentucky has nice uniforms when they keep it simple, stupid, and yeah. and, and it, they didn't do it here. The checkerboards on the sleeves and the blue pants just wasn't working for me. Uh, uh, Vanderbilt, yeah, no, no, not either. Okay. Uh, so mine was Seattle at the LA Rams. Uh, look, the bone uniform is one thing, but now you got bone pants with the pretty blue top. I didn't like it. On top of it, mix that in with Seattle's always ugly uniforms. Bad luck. Just a bad luck. Uh, my number two is Rams and Seahawks as well. It is time to abandon, abandon the bone uniform. If you are the Rams, just ch change it to white next year and never, ever, ever wear white pants with the Royal blue uniform. Don't do it. Just don't yeah. do it. The yellow pants combo is fine, especially on a new uniform. It's a little bit of a little bit of modern, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of old school. I can dig it. The white, the bone white, get out of here. And then Seattle. Maybe if Seattle went with the neat, with the gray pant there, okay. But they, their uniforms suck. They're, they're like a smarmy kind of suck. They are a smarmy kind of suck. <laughs> On that note, we got to go from good to bad. No, I, I, bad I don't get my number two. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, my number two is Tampa at Carolina. Honestly, so I'm already over Tampa's reboot uh, of that uniform. And both of these teams, I think, need a new uniform. I know Tampa has returned to their uniform. But honestly, I think we celebrated it because of how bad the most recent version was. I really don't like it. You got the creamsicle uniforms. That's what you need to be. And Carolina needs a change, too. I just, it, it's just, it's grown. I'm like, I don't know if I'm watching 2020 or, you know, 2001 what's the difference it's just it's time for a change because neither of those uniforms are classic to me so that was mine i agree with you to some extent on the tampa uniform the other ones were just so bad yeah. that these are good they should have came up with like a new version of the creamsicle they missed yeah. out on it. they just yeah. missed out on it. all right my favorite time these pretzels are making me thirsty Thank you, George. I started uniforms. You start the pretzels segment. These are our pretzels, which are good MVP awards for the week. So uh, even though Mike may not have liked the Kentucky uniforms, my first pretzel is actually going out to the Kentucky offensive line. On Thursday, the uh, Kentucky's offensive line coach, John Schlarman, passed away from cancer. And the first offensive play, the offensive line took the field with four offensive linemen. Their left tackle, Landon Young, who typically wears 67, wore number 65, which was actually Schlarman's number when he played at Kentucky, and he came on the next play. So they actually had a delay of game. Vanderbilt graciously uh, uh, declined the penalty. But I, it's starting to look – and we, we've seen other instances of this. Um, you know, each sport has their own way of honoring those who have passed away. And football, it's lining up without that player on the field. And I really like that. I, it's a very touching uh, way to honor a player. And uh, so I'm going to give this to the Kentucky offensive line. And my condolences to the Schlarman family as well as the Kentucky football team and the Kentucky community. I, I did see that. I, 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 I liked it. I like that kind of thing. 
I'm going with my number four. I got two. I got two teams on here this week. Two players. Number my number four, Marshall University, forty-two to fourteen win over Middle Tennessee State. They're ranked. That's great. Why Marshall? It was the fiftieth anniversary of the Marshall plane crash that killed their teammates. And every year, Marshall honors the seventy-five. They wear the helmet, and I think just this year is a very much a. That it's a it's a big anniversary. It's an anniversary every year, but fifty is a kind of poignant, momentous one. And they went out and took care of business. And look, Marshall football is back. I used to be a huge Marshall fan when they were one double A and on ESPN at odd, crazy times. Yeah, they're playing really well right now. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, my number two is uh, Sam Howell, quarterback, North Carolina. 32 of 45, 550 yards, six passing touchdowns, seven carries, 21 yards, one rushing touchdown, and a 59 to 53 win over Wake Forest. North Carolina is six and two, sitting right outside the top 25, having a pretty good year. And that's a really good game. So, Sam Howell, enjoy your pretzel. My number three, I, I I wanted to give this. I couldn't give it to a play this player again. He already won, but Miami Dolphins, come on down! Not only did you have the best, one of the best uniforms of the weekend, you won your fifth straight, and the Dolphins are now six and three. They're three and zero oh with Tua as the quarterback. There is, they are excited in Miami. They're talking playoff football. We 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 talked about it in our preview series. We were both high on Flores as a coach and yeah. them as a team. Look, they're playing really, really well right now. Everyone looked at this and said, ah, oh, it's two. It's a learning time for them. Maybe not. They might actually be making a run here. So the Miami Dolphins for the uniform and the play on the field, you all get pretzels. Yeah, I think that rebuild uh... – we were both excited about it, like you pointed out in the previous series. I think they're definitely um, ahead of schedule. But, yeah, it's very encouraging. you got to be really happy if you're a Dolphins fan. Uh, my number three is Jalen Ramsey, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he had two tackles on the game, but the best way to see how he did, DK Metcalf only had two catches for 28 yards, and he shut down that monster. Uh, and just had a really great game, as, as did, frankly, the Rams defense, which, you know, held the uh, Seattle Seahawks to 16 points in a 23-16 win. But Jalen Ramsey is one of the top cornerbacks in the league and had an exceptional game. So Jalen Ramsey, enjoy a pretzel. If you rush 31 times for 192 yards and a touchdown, you're getting a pretzel, even if it is against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Isaiah Washington, Illinois fighting Illini, congratulations. Uh, you single-handedly won a football game for your team, uh, as discussed on Night Talk, and you're going to get a pretzel for it. Like, I, I don't harbor ill will. It was an impressive thing. It was an impressive game. He didn't do so well throwing the ball. He did enough. So, um, yeah, no, I, I I was debating about giving it to him, but again, you're a bigger man than I because I was a little salty about it. So uh, my fourth – I think this probably will come as no surprise to some of you who are like, why haven't they talked about him yet? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, seven catches, 127 yards, and one touchdown, which was the amazing 43-yard Hail Mary catch. Um, he is the best receiver in the league, in my estimation, and that was an amazing play. That was, I think, the cool – I mean, you know, certain – the Packers uh, Cardinals Hail Mary from the playoffs might have been bigger because it was the playoffs, even though the Packers went on to lose. But just the catch itself, I think, was the coolest of all Hail Mary catches. Um, so to me, DeAndre Hopkins, enjoy the pretzel. Yeah, enjoy the pretzel. Uh, did you actually watch it? Yeah, uh, I watched the replay because I was wow. in the car after <laughs> Josh Allen through the uh, touchdown to Stephon Diggs, which was an amazing play itself. Yeah. And I figured, oh, it's over, so I went to go pick up dinner. I'm an idiot. Uh, but we've you know proven that before, and we will continue to prove that as the show continues. My first pretzel goes to Alex Smith, 390 yards through the air for the Washington football team. And, and 
look, he didn't throw a touchdown pass, but here's a guy. I think it's a great story. We were definitely nervous about Alex Smith and what was going to happen to him. Uh, you know, that leg is frat. It looks scary, that leg. Well, here he is out there slinging the rock, playing really well. Yep. Um, Should we get yeah. running? Well, no, it, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's running time. Terrible. Take a lap. God awful. Get going. You or me? Oh, I'm up. Well, this one's going to hit home, Mike. Uh, mine is the Eagles' offensive line because the offensive line or the defensive line? The, no, the offensive line for the play that I discussed oh. earlier with Dan. You literally watched Leonard Williams slam down your quarterback. You looked at it and continued to walk forward uh, just as if nothing happened for the next play. And while, yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around because not only have the Eagles lost, you've also screwed up my plans for potentially getting the putts of East Rutherford fired and lots of other good things for the Giants too. But just, you know, the most basic principle and tenet of an offensive lineman is to protect your quarterback. And usually that means from whistle to whistle, but sometimes that means to exact a little retribution. I'm not talking about the shitty WWE faction on players who go after your quarterback. If someone touches your quarterback, you go after him. If someone touches your quarterback while he's online at Starbucks, you go after him. Although right now we should be socially distancing and please everyone wear your mask. The Eagles did none of that. They continued the Eagles offensive line, acted as if nothing happened, and then just went on to the next play. And that offended me as a former lineman. So you know what, guys? You need to run a lap. I am going to I see your Eagles offensive line running the lap, and I'm just going to have the rest of the team join them and get going. <laughs> Coaching staff, support staff, the guy in the media room, anyone in the Eagles organization, Broad Street, run laps, get out of here. It's atrocious. It's embarrassing. I, I've, said, I've said my piece about it earlier. What did the media guy do? I don't know, but he's part of the organization. Every, everyone suffers. Everybody okay. suffers. Everyone suffers in this one. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's get to the power rankings. Top five, bottom five. I guess we should start with the Jets and our and 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 the bottom five. So Jets are 32 for both of us. Yes, the Jets are 32 for both of us. Um, so my 28 through 31 um are 28 is the Houston Texans, 29, the Washington football team, 30, the Dallas Cowboys, and 31, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really? So I have Jacksonville at 28, Cowboys 29, Washington at 30, Philadelphia Eagles at 31. Uh, I'm just, I'm sorry. They're back to putting them on the list. Just the way they play, it's atrocious. The Giants are – this is the first the, week the Giants are not in the bottom five. Giants are, trust me, they're hugging it. They're, they're oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're 27. <laughs> Don't worry yeah. about that. Yeah. So, uh, all right, my one through five. Well, I'll go five through one. Uh, number five, I have the Baltimore Ravens. By the way – this is getting tougher. The it top is. five. Mine, mine's different. I did it based off the week and, and kind of as a whole, but yeah. Yeah. Um, which I like. Uh, so my number five is the Baltimore Ravens. My number four, Indianapolis Colts. Number three, New Orleans Saints. Number two, Kansas City. Number one, Pittsburgh. My number five, the Miami Dolphins. Number four, Kansas City Chiefs. Number three, New Orleans Saints. Number two, Green Bay Packers. Number one, Pittsburgh Steelers, because they have yet to lose a game. How about that? Miami in a top five. Yeah, they're playing five in a row, playing yeah. well. I mean, and there's a lot of teams that are sitting right there. So yeah, but that's so that's super impressive. On that note, we're gonna wrap up this show. We'll be back for football Friday. If you are a Rutgers fan, check out Night Talk where we reviewed last week's game against Illinois. We'll have more stuff coming out this week. MMA fans, check out in the fight, wrestling fans as well. We had our state of wrestling show out. And we are doing a watch along this week for a Survivor Series main event. And you should enjoy that. Right now, I believe we're trending towards, I believe it's last year's uh, Survivor Series. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Men's NXT Raw SmackDown Live elimination match. That's in the lead right now with three hours to go. Okay. Better than the Spirit Squad. Absolutely. On that note, I'm Mike. That's Brett. Follow us on all social at GL Stan Show, and we will see you later in the week.